Coming up on Chasing the Natty, we're getting back on schedule with a week 11 preview for you guys this week. We got a lot of games to talk about coming forward. We have Justin Heisey from CFF Insiders joining us tonight. Xavier unfortunately couldn't make it. We got a lot to talk about, so let's get on right into it. Enjoy the new intro, y'all. Goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! Watch out for Mr. Robinson. This kid is going to be special and is already flashing. This is Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. Hope you all are doing extremely well tonight. We got a lot to get to tonight. We got a week 11 preview. We'll be talking a little bit about the playoff rankings, stuff like that, because we got this show going on a little bit later in the week. We can talk about that kind of stuff. Uh, We'll be talking about the big games of the week, a lot of ranked matchups this week. We got a couple other interesting games we want to touch on. And then we'll get to those high over under games that you guys like us talking about so much. But as you'll notice to the right of me, it is not our, once again, not our ever loyal and faithful co-host, Xavier Hood. No, he is still out dealing with some stuff. Unfortunately, because of my migraine this week, um, our schedules just couldn't line up this week in order to re- record the show. So I appreciate Mr. Justin Heisey from CFF Insiders joining us once again. Justin's been on the show before. You guys enjoyed it the last time he was on. So, Justin, welcome back, man. Glad to be back, Jared. So, yeah, like I said, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, Justin, before we get started, do you want to mention like what the kind of stuff you're working on, where people can find you, all that good jazz? Uh, just, you know, waiver wire stuff every week, uh, cffinsiders.com. And then you can find all my other stuff that I got going on on Twitter at, uh, at InsiderCFF. Absolutely. And before we get started, I got to give you guys a spiel. You guys know it every single week. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button right down below. Y'all, it is free. It is easy. I love seeing that subscriber number going up. And if you can, just make sure you hit that share button. Share us on any platform. Just let people know we are an option for people to listen to. We love getting new listeners every single week. In addition to that, make sure you are following us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, take two or three minutes out of your day. Just leave us a little five-star review there. Those help us out a ton in terms of just getting us out there on the map. And then finally, you guys know it. The best place to contact me and Xavier is going to be on Twitter. I am at CFF underscore Jared. He is at CFF underscore Xavier. You guys can ask us all sorts of questions there. All that good jazz. But even still... Justin, we got a lot to get to, so we'll go ahead and start with some playoff talk here. Um, and basically, I had two questions I just want to uh, ask you before we kind of move on. And really, it's going to be the first one here is, what is one gripe you've had with the committee so far? I'll go first, and then I'll hop, swing it over to you. Sounds so, good. Uh, my first one really came from this last week. Uh, I've been, honestly, if you follow me on Twitter so far, I've been a pretty big defender of the committee so far. And in terms of a lot of their decisions, I felt like they've gotten it, I won't say 100% right, but I feel I can follow the logic that they've been trying to put out there. I can't wrap my mind around, though, them putting Michigan over Michigan State this past week. This, I can understand a playoff committee 
that is really big on head-to-head wins, which is why you see Oregon over Ohio State, which is why you saw the order of the Big Ten teams that they had in the lower parts of the ranking, stuff like that. That's like I could follow the logic there. And I was like, okay, so this is a committee that is going to value those head-to-head wins pretty, um, pretty massively. And then I see them rank Michigan over Michigan State this past week. And I was like, all right, I can't wait to hear this. What's going on here? And basically their argument is that Michigan and Michigan State are not comparable teams, which to me is just bogus because they played each other. And we saw Michigan State beat Michigan. They have similar records. They played a lot of the same teams and performed pretty similarly compared to those teams. I just don't understand this whole idea of all of a sudden Michigan is this tier above Michigan State and thus that's why they can rank them ahead. Because again, they have that in the criteria. If two teams aren't comparable in their opinion, then um, then the head-to-head record goes out the window. It's why you don't see Texas A&M up there with Alabama, even though Texas A&M beat Alabama. They clearly think Alabama is a better team than A&M, just on a tier level. But again, Michigan, Michigan State, I just don't see that tier difference. What do you think, Justin? I have to agree with you. It just doesn't – it goes against the logic that they've had for years. Uh, I can't remember exactly who it was last year, but uh, Florida was constantly ranked behind one team last year because they had lost to that one team, and it was a, like a fluky game, but they still lost. Uh, you know, you can transitive property stuff all you want to, mm-hmm. but, like, there's a whole website for it if you're into the transitive <laughs> property stuff. But when you have a outcome on the field and I don't see how you rank them ahead of the other one, especially when you've done it the opposite way, like Oregon is still ahead of Ohio state because Mm -hmm. they won on the field. Um, Scrolling down here in the rankings, Purdue at six and three is still listed ahead of Iowa at seven and two because they won on the field. If you have the match on the field, that is your definitive answer to which team would win in a game? The team that won in the game is the better team. It, at least that's how it should be in the rankings. You know, that may not always be the case, but if you have the head-to-head ranking, or when you have the head-to-head result, it's hard to argue against that. Um, uh, you know, like I have a few like minor gripes. Uh, you know, I think Oregon's got a better resume than Alabama, but like as long as they're in the top four, I could really – care less as to mm-hmm. which one is ranked ahead of the other one. Um, I don't like Oklahoma and Cincinnati both being undefeated and they're ranked outside of the top four. Uh, I know that Oklahoma's had their issues at times this season. They've looked a lot better with Caleb Williams at quarterback uh, mm-hmm. outside of the Kansas game. Uh, if you're an Oklahoma person, had to bring it up. Uh, wouldn't have stopped being brought up if you lost. But, uh, you know, they're 9-0. and uh, it's sort of like the other year, uh, you may remember like years and years and years ago, uh, the Notre Dame, Alabama catastrophe that was the national championship yes. game. Um, you know, it, at the end of the year, it was Notre Dame has to be number two because they're undefeated. Mm-hmm. Like we all know that they're not good, but they're undefeated. Uh, it's kind of the same thing with Oklahoma. And then on the other hand, uh, Cincinnati's got to win over a top 10 team now, and they're still ranked outside of the top four um they have an arguably better resume than ohio state does because the big 10 uh i don't know if you've ever seen the movie or read the book diary of a wimpy kid 
<laughs> Are you aware of that? I am. I am more than aware of that series. That 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 was my entire childhood. Do you remember the cheese touch? Yes. Um, so the the other side of the Big Ten is like the cheese touch. Like nobody wants it. Nobody wants to win that thing for some reason. Nope. The second somebody gets some sort of advantage, they end up losing. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, like. Ohio State's resume is just not that good. You know, your best win is over Penn State, which... To be fair to Ohio State, they still have the crux of their schedule to play, and that's kind of a similar argument to Oklahoma here, is that they they got a lot ahead of them. And touching on Cincinnati, I am of the opinion that I don't... I thought Cincinnati should have been ranked number four last week. I think they should have been ahead of Ohio State. I think they should have been ahead of Oregon, because I agree with you that they have a better win or i guess oregon technically has a better win but cincinnati has done what they needed to do they have played their games that they require they beat two power five teams on the road this isn't like them playing it in cincinnati these are on the road in tough environments indiana stadium lest we not forget was completely packed to the brim for that game so let's not pretend like indiana was some team where nobody really cared about and they're like some vanderbilt or something like that where you can constantly take over their stadium that stadium was completely full for that game um but even so regardless of what i can think cincinnati was should have been number four but i don't think it's fair to say to the committee like a lot of people are saying that they're looking for a reason to keep cincinnati out cincinnati's schedule I, this is where i disagree with you justin I don't think their schedule as, is as good as Ohio State's. I think week to week, playing in the Big Ten is going to be a tougher schedule than anything Cincinnati is going to be facing in the AAC, especially this year. The AAC seems to just be down compared to they have been in past years. And in addition to that, Cincinnati's had quite a few struggle wins three in a row here in the past couple of weeks. But Cincinnati is now the highest ranked group of five team of all time in the initial poll of the playoff. They've even gone up one spot. This was never a treatment that UCF in the past years got. Not that UCF even deserved it, but they should not have gotten. Or um, Cincinnati is being given a bump because of their good ske- or because of their great win over Notre Dame. And to act like that if teams continue to lose ahead of them, I mean, heck, Ohio State, Michigan State still have to play. Michigan and, and Ohio State still have to play. Um, Oregon. With the way they're playing, they're probably going to drop another game. Georgia, Alabama, they still have to play each other. Like, I think there's a great shot at, or I think there's a better chance that people are giving the committee credit for, for Cincinnati to be one of those final four teams. I don't know. That's just my piece on the whole thing. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. And I definitely agree that the week-to-week, the, the week-to-week thing um, for the comparison of the two is an apt an apt observation. I just, like I said, I just think the resume is better for the one over the other, but Mm. um, which even you said yourself that they should probably be number four. Again, Um, that's, that's my opinion. I think they should be ahead of Oregon and Ohio state, but I'm not going to act like that. The committee is like looking for ways to keep them out. I think they're trying at their best to fairly rank them. I don't think there's some grand conspiracy to keep the group of five out. Yeah, and I, I think I think there's a lot of like the UCF syndrome is real. Um, you know, I thought, you know, a lot of people talk about the the back to back year snub of Central Florida. The second season, I think they would have made the playoff had McKenzie Milton stayed healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you kind of you kind of look at that team and like McKenzie Milton was the team. 
mm-hmm. both of those seasons. And the second that dude went off the board, uh, there was just like I, I thought to myself, they could keep winning and I'd still not put them in the playoff because I don't think uh, Dario Mack is as good as Mackenzie Milton is. And let's, and if, let's, let's not forget, they didn't have nearly as good of a win in either of those two years as Cincinnati does over a top 10 Notre Dame team this year. No, their schedules were real weak those two years. So, anyway, that that's where our gripes with the committee. We'll go ahead and move on to things that we'll defend the committee for. And really, I, I've already kind of jumped into this a little bit. Uh, I, I defend somewhat where they put Cincinnati, cause mostly in the fact that a lot of people are overreacting to it, in my opinion. I still think Cincinnati's in a great position. Uh, but you mentioned Oklahoma being undefeated and being down at number eight. First of all, that to me points to the fact that this is not some group of five versus power five deal. I think this committee is trying their best to weigh these schedules and the team's performances against them. Um, And really, when you look at Oklahoma, a lot of people will point out like, yeah, they've had some struggle wins. No, they haven't had some struggle wins. They have had seven, and I repeat that, seven one-score wins over an entire schedule in which not a single team has been ranked when they played them or is ranked now. That is a lot of problems and a lot of red flags for a playoff committee looking at this Oklahoma team and saying, hey, if they're struggling against this kind of competition, what are they going to look like when they play against real competition? Now, Oklahoma's going to have their chance to prove themselves. They play Baylor this weekend. We'll, put, we'll get to that game later. After that, they play Iowa State. Iowa State's a good team. Regardless of what you might think of them being at three losses already, Iowa State's a good team. And they're playing at Iowa State, if I remember correctly. And then finally, they close the season out with Bedlam, and they got to play at least one of those three teams in the Big 12 championship. So they're going to get another win there. So Oklahoma's going to get their chance to prove themselves here, and I think they go undefeated the whole way. Yeah, they're in regardless. But even still, I have no problem with them being ranked down to number eight because, again, they just haven't performed against a relatively weak Power 5 schedule so far. It's the same thing as Wake Forest. Yeah, I get that. Um, you know, Wake still being where they're at. Uh, I put out an awesome tweet this week that I thought it was <laughs> awesome. I don't know if anybody else did, uh, where I talked about how Sam H looked really good in that game. The Sam H from the team from North Carolina looked really good. I think game. I gave you a like for that one. That was pretty good. <laughs> um, which that was just a phenomenal game. But, you know, at the end of it all, you know, like, it was a big weekend for upstate for upsets, and I freaking hate that Ohio State was the one that had to win out of mm. all the teams that were there. Like Michigan State and Wake Forest are such likable teams, and they're the ones that had to lose. Um, the the I ended up defending. I, I told Jared before we started recording. He's like, I don't know that people really upset about BYU being ranked over Ole Miss, and I was like, well, my team's uh, not even ranked for the first time <laughs> in what feels like a decade, and so it's hard for me to even know what people are upset about anymore. Um, it's simple. Pick pick a fight, and the fan the fan bases will come running. I've been fighting UTSA fans last week, which I'll get to that here in a second, and then I was fighting Michigan fans this week because. They believe that they deserve to be a ranked ahead of Michigan State for whatever reason. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand that, man. Mm-hmm. I, I, like I'd have, I'd probably have like Washington people all over me again if they were <laughs> for some reason ranked again. Washington, Washington Husky fans don't like me. I said that they don't know how to play offense, and they got offended for some reason. Um, and so, like, I'm choosing to go with the BYU over Ole Miss argument. 
Uh, Ole Miss has this Ole Miss kind of, ha- you know, they're, they're a very good offensive team. We all love Matt Corral. Uh, we all love Ontario Drummond, Ely. It's a great offense. Uh, love Lane Kiffin, but they have not beat a ranked team this year. Uh, the, every time they've had a test that has came up, I think they have the opportunity to do that this weekend because I think they have A&M on the schedule. Um, not entirely I, true. They did beat Arkansas. They beat Arkansas by one point. They did beat Arkansas, and Arkansas is like now ranked at 25. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like, you know, and they've kind of gotten to the point where enough teams have lost to where they can be ranked again. That's kind of in the same boat. Clemson's about to be in after a dominating uh, win over UConn. Hopefully, hope to God, we don't <laughs> win by a freaking touchdown against UConn this week. Um, Dude, I would laugh so hard. I'm not going to lie. To where Lob would lose his mind. Lob would lose his mind if UConn kept it within a touchdown of Clemson. Lob would be so happy, and I'd be so upset. Well, I'm just going to put it on record now. I'll, like, come on to whoever's podcast next week and proclaim uh, proclaim that UConn is, like, the greatest team in all of football if they can keep it within a touchdown against Clemson. I am Um, cutting that audio, and I'm sending it to Lob as we speak. (laughs) Yeah, I, I'm going with BYU over Ole Miss. Uh, BYU's played absolutely incredibly since Jaron Hall has come back. I honestly think they'd probably be ranked higher if you hadn't missed several weeks due to injury. Uh, Ole Miss, like like we had mentioned, I said that there was no ranked wins. You did factually point out that they have beaten Arkansas, who is newly ranked 25th. Um, but, uh, you know, they've the teams that they have gone up against, uh, they didn't look very competitive against Alabama, uh, at least not late. It was competitive somewhat early mm-hmm. um, after that, after the fake early on, they just kind of went downhill from there. But yeah. uh, I think BYU is an excellent team. Their offense has been incredible. Uh, Puka Nakua has been one of my favorite uh, picked him up in a dynasty league. Cause I'm like, nice. you know, he might be something next year. And then since I've started, since I picked him up, he's gotten like six receptions, 70 yards and a touchdown every week. And so uh, that's awesome stuff on uh, awesome stuff for him. Yeah. And again, I'll, I'll throw in my last little bit here. Cause I, I, I talked a lot about Oklahoma, but I'm just going to defend the committee for their treatment of UTSA so far. UTSA newly ranked this week. I believe they came in at number 23. Three, uh, it's definitely one of those uh, one of those uh, almost unranked positions. But they were unranked last week, and so many people got up in arms. And you had like big CFB accounts calling it a sham. Like this whole sport's broken because an undefeated team's not even ranked, y'all. UTSA's win against UTEP, UTEP last week was the first win against a above five hundred team they've had all year, and they play a group of five schedule. That just should tell you how weak of a schedule they have played so far. I love the Roadrunners. I picked them to win the Conference USA this year, and I'm very happy that I did because I'm being proven right by them every single week. They have an incredible offense. They're having a magical year. I love it. They are not one of the 25 best teams in the country. At least their schedule doesn't allow them to prove prove that. And the committee, rightfully so, said it's not been enough so far now they finally get a win over a team above 500 in utep which again not exactly the greatest uh endorsement in the world but even still they have a win against a five above 500 team and now they've entered into the rankings near the bottom there i don't think that that is some sort of slight against a group of five i think it's just the committee trying to reward teams that have played a good schedule so far regardless of how they've done against those schedules like you take wisconsin yeah wisconsin had three losses 
three, three losses against good teams, and they had a win over another ranked team. That's something the UTSA hasn't even been close to sniffing, is having a good... Everybody complains like, oh, all these quality losses. Well, guess what? You have to have quality wins, too, in order to stay ranked. And guess what? UTSA had none. So... I have to agree that the, like the CUSA is losing half their teams and they got better. Uh, that's not, like, that's not <laughs> something that anybody should be able to say that your conference is losing half their guys to a different conference. And the teams that you brought in are just better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like, look, I love sincere McCormick just as much as the next guy. I think he's a fantastic player, but like, it's just like you said, there's just not a very good schedule behind that. Even if you are nine and zero, there's just not a very good schedule to go behind it. And so like, congratulations on your ranking. That's fantastic. I don't know where UTSA is historically ranked, uh, historically been ranked. I have to assume that this is one of the highest rankings they've had. In I think this history. is the first time in, in hit school history that they were ranked. Uh, if not, it's been a very, very long time since they were last ranked in the AP poll. Well, there you go. Like, congratulations to you guys. That's fantastic. But like, you gotta. It's one of those things you gotta. You gotta earn it if you're gonna mm-hmm. be a G five school and playing a bunch of teams that you mentioned are under five hundred is just not the. Like, I know you have to do it, but that's just not how you build a playoff resume. We'll go off on a little tangent here. I didn't write this in the notes or anything like that, but like a lot of people complain about the discrepancy between the power five and the group of five. And I agree that there should be different expectations for those different levels of college football. Uh, But a lot of people uh, like argue that it's unfair to the schools at those different levels. And to some point I agree. I definitely agree that for a school, a school as an individual it, it, it shouldn't be entirely on them in order to prove like, okay. So like if you, if you're a group of five school, you have to schedule a, you have to go out of your way to schedule a tough schedule. You have to pick good out of conference opponents in order for the playoff committee to even consider you. group uh, power five teams don't have to do that. You see with Alabama, like their, their conference schedule is their resume at that point versus a group of five schools. You have to do out of conference in order to prove yourself. To me, the, you solve the problem with this by adding a system of relegation into college football. Have different conferences be tied to different group of five conferences. Have the last place or even last two place schools in a power five conference be relegated down to a group of five conference and the top two in a conference be relegated up to a power five conference each and every year. I think that would do massive wonders in terms of trying to increase parity in the sport. What do you think about that, Justin? Uh, it'd be it certainly be it certainly is a good idea. It's just a matter of how you would implement the relegation process because mm-hmm. there's so many TV deals and things like that. Um, I do think I do think there's some like there's a little bit of a double standard when it comes to things like you know Ohio State almost loses to Nebraska. Um, Cincinnati has like a close win over Tulsa. Uh, and like, it's no big, like nobody even thinks twice about it when it comes to Ohio state, but it's like, Oh, well, Cincinnati almost lost to Tulsa. They shouldn't even be. And it's kind of like, you're the best, you are the best group of five program. Everybody is gunning for you. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's gunning for your head. They want to be the team that beats you. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of one of the things like when teams like that play you close, Tulsa's had like a really strange year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like, they've been really good against teams that are really good. They've been really bad against teams that are really bad mm-hmm. and it just doesn't quite add up, but, um, you know, it's kind of those double standards. It's like, well, they almost lost. It's like, yeah, well, they almost lost too. And like, mm-hmm. I know Nebraska has got the best Nebraska has got like the number one statistical offense in the big 10, but what does that really say about mm-hmm. The conference, does that say that they're really good or does that say that the Big Ten's offenses are just not very good? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of one of those things. It's like you, there's some teams that are like you kind of have to convince us that they're good for me to believe that you're good. they're good. I don't think Nebraska is a very good team. Adrian Martinez has been there for like years, um, and I think he's just about as known of a product as he's ever been mm-hmm. um, and things like that. Their defense is a little bit better. Uh, and the run game has been really good with uh, Ramir Johnson in the backfield, but uh, it's at the end of the day, it's still Nebraska. What's they just fired their entire offensive staff this past week. Mm-hmm. And so like, what do you, what does that say in comparison to this? So there's just, there's some double standards there that I think we need to kind of move past at some point um, because at the, you know, Cincinnati keeps winning. It's hard to, hard to deny a team that's beat a top 10 team and keeps winning, um, from like any sort of conversation when it comes to that, I think it would be irresponsible to not have a minute if they keep winning at the end of the year. I feel like there's very little argument to not have a minute in a year like this. I think this year is built for a G5 team to make it into the playoff. Now, what they do at four against Georgia, uh, <laughs> Georgia ends up beating Alabama in the championship game, uh, which I think there's a good reason to think that they would. Uh, what they do against Georgia as the four seed will be really interesting considering we just saw basically this same Georgia team go against this same Cincinnati team in the bowl last year because mm-hmm. both of those teams just brought everybody back. Um, so it'll be, it'll be really fun. Uh, I could see it being close and I could see it being not close at all. So that'll just be something that we have to see when we get there. But uh, I, I tend to agree that there are some things it's like when you, if you want to be a G5 team and you want to be compete and you want to compete, you got to schedule like you want to compete. Mm-hmm. And then there's some instances where it's like, it's like, you can't really fault them here because this is where they're at. They're trying to get out and get better. I will say and so. One one thing I appreciated from the committee, they they mentioned this really before like any of the rankings came off and everything, but one thing that they were wanted to clear up was an intent to schedule. So like you get a lot of these group of five because again, a lot of these matchups are are scheduled out like five, six, seven years in advance. Just crazy, crazy outlook. So you get a group of five school who's like, all right, we think we're gonna be good. Um like we're gonna be we're gonna up and coming program we're gonna be good in like five six years like truly a great program uh we want to go ahead and schedule out like fsu um or clemson let's take clemson you're, you're a clemson guy um like we'll take clemson clemson was like a perennial contender every year but then you get a year like this where suddenly clemson is just not the typical clemson that we're used to is that the group of five schools fault for Clemson not living up to their billing, I don't think so, and the playoff committee doesn't think so anymore. They said that if there's an intent to schedule a true power, a um, a good power five school, and that power five school doesn't live up to expectations, you really see that with Indiana this year with Cincinnati. I think that Indiana win is propping up Cincinnati more than people are giving it credit for because everybody's like, "Oh, Indiana's not even that good anymore." Well, Indiana was a great, was having a good uh, past couple years here. 
And they were ranked at the beginning of the season, let's not forget. So, like, people clearly had high expectations for that Indiana team. So, I don't know. I just want to throw that little nugget out there so that people can understand the criteria that people are trying to have with the playoff committee. Anyway, I think we've talked about this long enough. We're almost 30 minutes into here. Um, We'll go ahead and get to some of these game previews. We got a lot of them to get to. And first first we're going to hit up some of these ranked v. ranked matchups. And then we'll hit up some more interesting games I think are worth talking about. And then we'll go to those high over-unders that you guys like. So, let's take a look here. First, we got number eight. Number eight, Oklahoma, favored by five and a half points on the road at number 13, Baylor. This is the noon, big big noon Fox game. Justin, I'll let you get started on this one. What are you thinking about this game? What are you, what are you looking for? Who are the players you're looking for in this game? Anybody you want to fade in this game or anybody you want to kind of prop up here? Uh, so just some guys to throw out uh, here at the beginning of uh, this discussion is, you know, Taekwon Thornton and uh, – is is Jerry Bohannon, right? Jerry Bohannon. Yeah. For some reason, I wanted to call him Gary. The G throws me off all the time in that spelling of Jerry. Fair enough. But uh, uh, Jerry Bohannon, uh, you know, he had a rough week last week against TCU. I think you have the potential of uh, Baylor probably looked ahead to Oklahoma and got caught off guard. I wouldn't uh, say of, I, I wouldn't say that because Baylor TCU is a pretty big rivalry. They're in the they're in the Big Twelve. They're both like the the big Christian schools. There, they hate each other's guts. Yeah, but you know it is one of those things though. It's like you got Oklahoma, who's been the the dude in this conference for years. Next on your schedule, you got TCU coming up. They got no Zach Evans. They got no Max Dugan. No it's Gary just, Patterson. No Gary Patterson. You're probably thinking that there's probably a chance that you're like, we can focus a little bit more on the Sooners this week than we would traditionally need to. Mm. And then you get caught off guard and Chandler Morris hangs 460 on you. Mm. Um, And so uh, I believe that, you know, Caleb Williams is an obvious starter in most weeks. Um, Mm. And he's an obvious starter again this week because Chandler Morris is like Caleb Williams is just a vastly better version of Chandler Morris because mm-hmm. he's a runner with an arm. Uh, Chandler Morris is a runner with an arm. And so, uh, obviously, Caleb Williams would be the guy to roll out. But uh, Oklahoma's had some issues with this uh, defense that's supposed to be better than it has been in the past and isn't. Um, and so, Tyquan Thornton's a guy that you definitely need to roll out. Uh, even in a bad week for Baylor, he still catches five passes for 120 yards and two scores against mm-hmm. TCU. Uh Jerry Bohannon probably cleans up the picks this week uh, after being put in a big spot. Uh, this will be a true telling game for Oklahoma because Baylor's typically had a pretty good defense this year. Um, and the uh, 450 yards from Chandler Morris was super out of character for them. Mm-hmm. So uh, this will be an interesting week for Caleb Williams. Uh, probably his first true test since his debut. Um, and then you have. Of course, like I said, uh, Bo Hannon and Taekwon Thornton, who are surely going to put on this weekend. Yeah, you you, you touched on it. I, my biggest thing I'm looking for in this game is that Oklahoma secondary, because I, I believe I read a stat the other day where only one player in Oklahoma secondary was playing in the same position as he had started fall camp in. Everybody else was either injured or shifted in position because of those injuries. So you had a lot of guys playing out of position there in Oklahoma. A lot of guys that weren't 
set to be true starters. And Oklahoma's deep at a lot of positions. Secondary does not seem to be one of them. So they had a bye week. They're getting some of these guys back healthy. I'm interested to see if that is indeed the source of Oklahoma's problems or if there just really is just a bad scheming in the secondary right now that teams are able to exploit. Um, until then, like like you said, Tyquan Thornton, Jerry Bohannon, obvious guys to start here. Uh, Abram Smith, I still think, is going to be one of the better backs in the Big 12. I think he's a start here. And then Oklahoma, I, I maintain still, don't rely on any of their wide receivers because they seem to have a new favorite every single week. You got Mario Williams, you got Marvin Mims, you got uh, Jason, uh, Jadon Hazelwood, you got Mike Woods. You never know who's going to get the favoritism that week. But one thing I think you can rely on at this point is going to be Kennedy Brooks running the ball down Baylor's throat consistently. So I think he's absolutely a start here as well. Um, we usually do picks on the show. Usually it's just between Xavier and I, but I'll go ahead and ask you. Do you think Baylor is able to pull the upset here at home? Uh, I would. I'd take it. Why not? I'd take it. All right. I, I think that Oklahoma showed enough weakness this year to where uh, Baylor, after getting caught off guard last week, could come out and do it this week. Yeah, I, I mentioned Oklahoma's end-of-year schedule here. They got Baylor, they got Iowa State, they got Oklahoma State, and then they play another one of those teams because one of those teams is going to be the second-place person in the Big 12. They play them again. That's four games right there. I do not know where Oklahoma takes the loss. I'll be real. But I'm pretty confident in the fact that they take a, wa- a loss in one of those four games. So I don't know if it'll be this one, so I'm going to go ahead and take Oklahoma to roll here. But I guarantee you the loss is coming for Oklahoma. So we'll head up our next game here. We got another ranked matchup, this time in the Big Ten. Uh, We got number 19, Purdue, the Giant Slayer. At number four, Ohio State. Ohio State favored by 20 in this game. It's the 330 ABC game. So as I kind of teased there, Purdue taking down Big Ten Giants left and right. First they took down, then number two, Iowa, uh, at Iowa. Then they took down number three, Michigan State, last week in Purdue, or at at Purdue University. Justin, can they do it again this week? What are you looking for in this game? I don't see it happening. I feel like if you're you're Ohio State, you've circled this game. Like, there's – You've done went out and beat Iowa. You exposed Iowa. You came out and beat Michigan State. I just don't see Ohio State losing this game. Uh, it does help Purdue that they have uh, – they've got Daru and Horvath in the backfield back. Uh, Horvath, who's missed most of the season, uh, injured, has come back. Big receptions guy. Uh, they don't have – they don't have Payne Durham this week, I don't believe. He's still injured. Uh, but, you know, Jackson Anthrop stepped up pretty big for them last week against Michigan State. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, I wish I could – I wish Purdue would get a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the thing is, I don't know if Jack Plummer and Aiden O'Connell are actually good quarterbacks. They have moments where they're brilliant, and then they have moments where they're awful. Um, and this could very much be a win if he does what he did last week. Uh, just an incredible stat line. Uh, but Ohio State's defense has looked drastically different since the Oregon game. I know they switched some coaching roles around. Uh, they've looked a lot better since then. And uh, I think uh, uh, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, is a, another big guy that you need to look for for Ohio State this week, uh, especially if Garrett Wilson is going to be sidelined again. Um, you know, there was kind of some mystery as to what he was 
not in the game for it because he's like, I'm I'm good, guys, on Twitter. But, hmm. uh, you know, that uh, Najigba seemed to be like a really big target for them last week. Uh, you know, you get the rapport going with C.J. Stroud. Uh, that could be another big game for him. Uh, and on top of that, you know, last week you look at, you know, a lot of people were dogging Kenneth Walker as a Heisman, like as a Heisman winner, but he still hung up 146 yards and a touchdown on the ground against yep. Purdue. Um, and Ohio State's running game is still pretty good. Uh, that Henderson kid ain't bad, Yeah, uh, which I don't think any of us expected him to be, but Smith ain't, uh, Henderson he's, ain't bad. he's a little banged up right now that's my only thing with Henderson right now is how much they're willing to kind of give him the rock going forward because it looks like there was a time where they were ready for Henderson to be that bell cow role but it's just like just taking one shot too many recently I think he might be get a little bit more limited role this week especially if Mayan Williams is good to go um I'd fade him a little bit but I'm with you 100% on Jackson Smith and Jigba um I've been uh texting uh, Nate Marchese uh, he kind of put out his list of um, who he expects to be first-round CFF guys next year. And one guy that I noticed he didn't have on there was Jackson Smith and Jigba. And after his performance last week, I'm like, dude, I know it's an Ohio State wide receiver. They spread the ball around. But if he's going to do that, if he's going to do that and do that consistently, like he has to be considered for a first-round pick next year. He's going to be a monster, especially with Olave and Wilson likely gone after this year. I'm still shocked that Olave came back. He was set to be like a... Second rounder at the very least last year. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that he came back as well. I feel like he's a super known product. I don't mm-hmm. know if the receiving – I imagine the receiving class must have been less competitive this season or something like that. Could be, but we, we say that at the beginning of every draft class season, and then by the time the draft rolls around, we got like seven or eight guys that are can't-miss products uh, and go in the first and second round. Um, yeah, and I, I like before the season there was you know like PFF does their random list of things and it's mm-hmm. like these are the top five players at this and it's like they had like Olave as the number one receiver in college football and I'm like I don't even know if Olave is the number one Buckeye receiver I still think that Garrett Wilson's a better talent than Olave is overall but uh that's just me i think john lobb also thinks the same thing but uh we'll see more his opinions on that when it comes closer to draft time and they start and he starts cranking out his draft videos but um he's an excellent player i think that he might get drafted a few spots higher this year than he would have last year but well only time will tell the only thing i could think of is like day convinced Olave to come back because he was set he he convinced them that they were ready to go on a championship run this year which you know very still possible here Ohio State's a very good team they're one of the few teams that could win a championship at any year that they want to really um any more thoughts on this game yeah on the Purdue side of things I think Aiden O'Connell set to have a good game here Ohio State ranked 92nd in passing uh defense uh this year like you said they look better but I think if any team has a system to take advantage of that is going to be Purdue uh, with their passing attack. So I think you should expect a good game from Aiden O'Connell. David Bell, he's going to be fed uh, consistently in this game. I'm not sure how much Ohio State keys in on him. But it, really, with David Bell, it doesn't really matter how much you key on him in on him. He's still going to get you points at the end of the day. Um, really unstoppable uh, he is. So I think that's really kind of the look there. So final pick, Purdue... Do they upset Ohio State this weekend or not? Nah? 
No, nah, I'm going going with the Buckeyes on this one as much as I'd like to. As much as I, I love Jeff Brom and I love the Boilermakers, but I I just have to go with Ohio State here. Yeah, I'm with you again. I I think if if this was a year where Purdue was kind of flying under the radar just a little bit more, I think Ohio State might trip up here. But I think it's just too obvious that Purdue is asleep not a, not a sleeping giant, but they're they're a giant killer in waiting, and Ohio State knows that they'll take care of business this weekend. All right, next game we got here, we got another ranked matchup, this time over in the SEC. Uh, really got a lot of these ranked ranked matchups coming out of the SEC West, and it seems like these guys are constantly playing each other at this point. Uh, Texas A&M at Ole Miss. Texas A&M, a two-and-a-half-point favorite here. This is a 7 p.m. ESPN game here. Justin, I'll let you get started on this one because you mentioned earlier you really are don't have a high opinion of Ole Miss here. But Vegas clearly does have a high opinion of them because they're only dogs by two and a half points here at home. So do you think Ole Miss has a chance here? Uh, there's probably a chance, but this has got this is Isaiah Spiller showcase game. Ole Miss is rushing defense is not very it's 108 nationally. Uh, that team is like solely based on the run. You lose Haynes King at the beginning of the year. Uh, Calzada's not been bad. But he's kind of like, you know, he's kind of like like the Kirk Cousins of college football and that it's like we all know that he's not this elite talent. But we also like know he's really not bad. Yeah, he's, he's not terrible at the same time. Like with a good team around him, maybe they can do something and make things interesting. Like Jake Fromm uh, a couple of years ago. Exactly. Exactly. Zach Calzada is Jake Fromm. And we'll just leave it at that. But, like, uh, Isaiah Spiller uh, will likely have a huge game here. Uh, you know, you've seen multiple big rushing games against these guys. Uh, the Texas A&M-Auburn game last week was super strange. Mm. But at the end of it all, you hold hold Auburn to three points. Auburn's not a bad team. Uh, there's definitely moments where they look better than they do other moments, but they're not a bad team. Mm. Um, Ole Miss is dealing with an injured Matt Corral. have dealt with that for weeks now. Um, and I just, I don't see Ole Miss pulling this out here. Yeah, no, I, def- I, I definitely agree with you on a lot of aspects here. It definitely looks like a good matchup for AM here on the ground. You mentioned Isaiah Spiller. I love the call there, but Devin A-Chain, I think is going to be another guy that people are going to be looking for here. Some short passes out of the backfield, get him in an open space and watch him take off or a, touchdown home like he has home run ability really every time he touches the ball so i expect him to break off uh, one or two great runs in this game whether that be through the air or whether that be handing off to him um jalen weidemeyer finally finally starting to be used more in the texas a&m offense he would have been great last week if they could have gotten close to the red zone last week um golly that that was like people want to clown Georgia and Clemson for their game that they had, but man, they say that A and M Auburn game was not much oh, better last so week. So ugly, um, such a bad game. But yeah, I definitely kind of lean Texas A and M here with you. Um, I think they're in business mode now. They're catching their stride. They also know, I think, that if they lose this game to Ole Miss, they basically hand the West to Alabama. Now it's not clinched or anything like that because technically Bama could lose two SEC games going forward and then A and M wins it. Um, but Bama's not losing to both Arkansas and Auburn. They might lose to one of those teams, um, but they're definitely not. They, heck, it'd be it'd be it'd be probable they beat both of those teams regardless. But if A and M loses it here, 
they basically know they hand that over to Bama. They don't want to do that. They beat Bama. They want to be rewarded for that effort of beating Bama. So I think they come in here, not in Super Bowl mode, but they come in here in business mode. I think they take care of business. Give me the Aggies to win. But we haven't really talked about the Ole Miss side of things here. Again, AM defense. Um, is this AM defense looking really, really good? Uh, is this a game that we fade Matt Corral on? Do we fade guys like Jerry and Ely? Do we fade guys like Ontario Drummond or any really uh, wide receiver that they trot out there? God, that wide receiver room is basically an ambulance walking around. Um, what do you think, Justin? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to fade Matt Corral because mm-hmm. even, you know, even with, you know, he was injured last week. The receiver room is just completely different than it was to start the year, and he still throws for 300 yards against Liberty. I'm not saying Liberty is as good as they were last season, uh, but that's not really a bad team. You know, I mentioned earlier that the the CUSA got rid of half their teams and got better. These are one of the Mm -hmm. teams that uh, is better than what they got rid of. Um, I could definitely see this being a game that we're, like, hesitant to you know hesitant to throw Matt Corral in I'm not saying all out to just bench Matt Corral because I'm not going to be the guy that says that and he throws five touchdowns against Texas (laughs) A&M and then I look like an idiot Mm -hmm. but uh it's one of those games that you're like you're probably looking at your matchups and seeing that and you're like yeah I'll just ride with them (laughs) definitely double check your matchups is what I would say like if you can find a truly better matchup with some of your other QBs on your roster, I would say then bench Matt Corral. But if you're just struggling, yeah, play Matt Corral. Start your stud. Exactly. All right, we'll hit up our final ranked v. ranked matchup here. Not our final helmet game, but our final ranked v. ranked matchup we got going on here. We've hit the we've hit the um, Big Twelve. We've hit the Big Ten. We've hit the SEC. Now we're going over the ACC uh, to. Number 16, NC State at number 12, Wake Forest. Wake Forest favored by two points in this game. This is the 7.30 game on the ACC network. If Okay, rule of thumb for college TV scheduling. If it is a ranked v. ranked matchup, it should not be relegated to a conference um, television. That, that's just me. Um, this game should not belong in the ACC network. You can absolutely put this game on... I don't know, ESPN, I know ESPN's already had the Texas name. I don't know, find some national th- uh, TV to put this on. I know the ACC is not that great this year, but regardless, like, come on, y'all. Anyway, uh, that's my rant. Justin, what are your thoughts on this game? Who are you looking for? Uh, so, NC State side, it's Devin Leary, and that's the only player I'm looking at. Because mm-hmm. God knows who else is going to step up for that team at this point. Mm-hmm. And from any point in this, like, you know, it could be a Mezzi. It could be Thayer Thomas. It could be Ricky Person. It could not be Ricky Person. But Devin Leary is going to throw the ball a lot this weekend. And Wake Forest's defense is not very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw that last week. They're not very good. They can't stop a whole lot. Uh, Sam Howell ripped them to pieces last week. And so – it's, it's really hard not to roll out Devin Leary. I can't help you on wide receivers. Have no idea who they're going to throw the ball to. I'll throw this uh, but, in here real quick. Um, we saw Ty Chandler just absolutely take over that game last week in the fourth quarter against Wake Forest. I believe he scored like three touchdowns in the fourth quarter uh, against Wake Forest. Or maybe should we be taking an extra look at guys like Zonovan Knight? Or even Ricky Person, one of those guys maybe taking over in this game. If Wake Forest's run defense really is that just beaten and battered, especially later into this game, what do you think? 
I think I'm like, I'd like to liken that situation uh, similar to Wake Forest last year when you ran into the issue where you'd like run out Kenneth Walker mm-hmm. and then Kenneth Walker would rack up 100 yards, 150 yards rushing, and then Christian Beal Smith would take the goal line touches out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and I could totally see a scenario where that happens because they've been splitting Bam Knight and Ricky Person all year long between the two of them, I wouldn't fault anybody for starting either of those guys. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. Uh, I have to agree with you fully that Ty Chandler absolutely tore him to pieces in the last game. And I'm sure that they have, I'm sure that they're watching the tape on that. Uh, and both of those dudes are very capable backs. It's just a matter of me as to which one does it, which one are they rolling out? Uh, Wake Forest, I don't see have any problems. I agree with you that why are they throwing? So this is not only a ranked matchup, but this could decide the Atlantic division of the ACC. Because mm-hmm. um, as much as so Wake Forest has to lose twice for Clemson to get back into it. Uh, it's very unlikely to happen. The stupid, idiotic, non-conference conference game last week basically ruined any chance of that happening. Um and NC State could very well win this game, and then they'd have to win out to win that side of the division mm-hmm. uh, so long as Clemson kept winning because if they lose another one, they drop below them despite having the head-to-head. Um, as you can see, I've put in a lot of time and effort to figure out, okay, <laughs> how can like, after you still lose win the to, ACC? After you lose to Georgia at the beginning of the year, it's kind of just like, all right, well, we can still be in this, and then you like look really terrible when you start the conference play. It's like, okay. At least we're still in the lead in the ACC. And then you lose to NC State, and it's like, I want to die. And so uh, <laughs> and then you and then lose, you to, lose Pitt. to Pitt by a lot, uh, which that was just so much stupidity on Clemson's part that they freaking lost that game. And But I'll, no, that's not what we're talking about. But this game is for the, the ACC Atlantic, and it's on the ACC network. Why is this not on national TV at like a 330 spot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um... I guess we, we've talked about NC State quite a bit. We'll move over to Wake Forest side. Guys we're looking at there, things we're looking for. Um, obviously, Wake Forest has to clean up their defense. Um, if they want to have, they can't be getting into shootouts every single week and expecting to win. However, though, they do have probably one of the better offenses in the entire country uh, in terms of Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman was a guy that I was hesitant to recommend to people earlier in the season because I'm like, man. He can bust out for a few games, but man, he's going to have some stinkers on you where he puts up like 12, 15 points, and you're not going to be happy with that. Man, was I wrong. He's really put it together this year with this uh, offense, and they have so many weapons for him to work with. Uh, I'll recommend the same three guys I recommended last week. Obviously, Ja'Kerry Roberson. Obviously, A.T. Perry. Those guys are monsters. Throw out Taylor Morin in there as well. He's going to probably find a way to get into that end zone as well. Um, They're going to be passing that ball quite a bit around. Uh, and really, the only thing is, I'm not super excited about their run game really anymore. Because like, I liked Christian Beal Smith there for a little bit because it looked like he was finally going to take over that backfield with Kenneth Walker out. And it looks like that's how they were going to go. But then Christian Turner's now kind of slid slid into the uh, slid into the running back rotation. And I don't know. I I can't really find a guy to recommend there. Yeah, it's there's a mess back there. The passing game's really good. It's, oh yeah. Yeah. Start start everybody in the passing game. Um, so yeah, what are you what are you thinking here? Do you think Wake Forest takes care of business here? Uh they're two point favorite at home. Um, do you think they take care of business, take control of that ACC 
Atlantic Division, or do you think NC State is going to just really show that why Wake Forest was never somebody we should have seriously considered as a playoff contender? Uh, to me, so NC State's got a really bad defense, and they've got a really weird habit of just like – not performing as well as they should in some places. Um, mm. You know, they, you, you were in a position where you controlled your own destiny in the ACC. Like you don't have, like, you don't have to beat Clemson. You've done it. Mm-hmm. You're in the driver's seat. Now you just have to win out. Uh, and now you're in a situation where if you lose this game, not only are you not leading the ACC, but you're actually in second or you're actually in third in the ACC mm. because you've fallen so far. Um, so there could be, I could, I, I could definitely see this game swinging in Wake Forest direction, despite how bad their defense is. I'm sure they're coming out with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, they're at home, which is a good benefit towards them where you were in Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not, and you know, Winston Salem isn't exactly like uh, when Winston Salem gets rocking. That's when you got to be scared or anything like that. But uh, Wake's a good team this year. Clawson's an excellent coach, and I think mm-hmm. that this could be just one of those games where uh, you know Devin Leary's got like four touchdown passes and like three picks for no apparent reason, and yep. they end up losing. I could definitely see that, and like I think the problem for Wake Forest was they have an offense that can take over a game. And week by week, they don't face a lot of offenses that really could take over games. UNC was an offense that could take over a game once they got hot. I don't see that happening with NC State. They don't strike me as a team that once they get hot, they stay hot. So I'm going to take Wake Forest here to win here at home. So those are our ranked matchups. We're now going to move on to some other games that I just found kind of interesting. I feel like are worth talking about. And we'll move back to the SEC with this one. We got Georgia, number one Georgia, a 20-point favorite on the road at Tennessee. This one is the one that's really kind of having a lot of people talking. Um, You know, Georgia currently is receiving all the national praise for their what looks like a generational defense in terms of what they've been able to put out on the field so far. And everybody's looking for that weakness there because if georgia's defense can be exploited can then the offense be slowed down enough for them to win a or for somebody to win a game against them that's really what people are looking for here right now because let's be honest you're it's hard to beat anybody if you if the most amount of points they've given up all year is 13 points lo and behold here comes tennessee josh heupel hired as a first year head coach really has turned around this tennessee program already in terms of what they're able to do with the players that they have And Tennessee currently has one of the highest scoring offenses in the past couple of weeks. I believe over the past three weeks, they've averaged 40 points a game, which is one of the best in the country currently. And they're doing it through the air. And a lot of people have kind of identified Georgia's secondary really as if there's a point to attack on the Georgia's defense is going to be that secondary. So Josh, I'm going to, or Josh, Justin, I'm going to ask you here, um, do you think that there's any truth to that? Do you think there's a possibility that Tennessee could pull the upset here? No. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. No way. You heard uh, it, until you, George, until it do, proves to me that they can cover a spread against Georgia, I'm not picking anybody to. You heard it here that. first, folks. I'm not the homer here. Like, there's just, I mean, you can say anybody can say what they want. I think Tennessee's a lot better when Hendon Hooker is in the game 
Uh, that team is just so much better when they have Hooker in over Joe Milton. I don't understand why it took that long to make that swap, mm-hmm. but I just no, this that's just not happening. That Georgia's played just you know they've played better teams all around than Tennessee. Like Arkansas had just come off like a huge win, and Georgia blanks them. Um, you know, I'm not saying that Clemson's like a really big pinnacle offense. They've looked better recently, but that's a, a great team, or that's a pretty solid team that you held to three points. Uh, Kentucky's had a really solid offense all year long. Georgia holds them to 13. I just, I don't heck, see it. This heck, it would have been game. seven if they didn't use all three of their timeouts in order to get a touchdown in the last second of the game. Yeah, and like you know, you look last week, and like Tyler Beatty was essentially held to nothing. That's a really good football player. Missouri's a really bad football team, but Tyler Beatty is a very good football player, mm-hmm. um, and they held him to basically nothing. So I just I don't I I have no reason to believe that Tennessee is going to win this game or even keep it close. I think Tennessee puts up the most amount of points that anybody's put up on Georgia so far this year. I do think their offense is that explosive, and they're probably going to beat Georgia over the top once or twice. My guess is that they probably put up about 17. That's the number that I'm feeling like 17 to 20 is the number that I kind of feel like I can see Tennessee scoring here on Georgia's team on Georgia's defense. Um, the problem is everybody's focused on Georgia's defense versus Tennessee's offense. They forget to consider the other matchup. And that's Georgia's offense versus ten versus Tennessee's defense, and we just saw Kentucky. Kentucky put up forty five on Tennessee or forty two on Tennessee last week. Um, yeah. Georgia's got again. Say what you will about Georgia's offense. I know that they're not some revolutionary offense. I've I've heard all the jokes, y'all. I've heard all the jokes. We're not LSU. We're not Bama from the past couple of years. I know we didn't get to that point, but we're still a pretty solid offense that's still numbered uh, in the top ten in scoring this year. Uh, I can easily see Georgia doing more than enough to put more than 20 points on the board on Tennessee in this game, especially by the end of the game. Georgia's going to be fine in this game. Uh, in terms of players to watch out for in this game, I mean, Georgia's, like, if I, I hate to admit as a Georgia fan, really, like, Georgia's been just a fantasy dumpster fire in terms of just, like, seeing guys consistently get it. Jermaine Burton is somebody I will say watch out for this week. He was two yards short of having three touchdowns last week. Um, He was stopped at the one-yard line twice in that Missouri game. So if they continue to use him like they did last week, he'll be somebody to watch out for in this game. And then really, like, you want to recommend Hendon Hooker. You want to recommend guys like um, Bayless Jones and stuff like that. But, like, you don't want to recommend anybody against Georgia's defense at this point. I don't know, Justin. Anybody you you got your eye on? I mean, it's hard to like. Obviously, I mean, if you really if you're really hurting this week and have to roll Hooker out against Georgia, that's the guy that you roll out for Tennessee. Uh, Georgia's such a confusing team year in and year out to have to like at least when mark rick was at georgia i knew that they were going to run the ball a ton with like Mm -hmm. one or two guys like when mark rick was there todd Gurley was getting the freaking ball and that's Mm -hmm. why you get todd Gurley. but like i don't even know like i don't even know who's going to play quarterback anymore they played two dudes last week against missouri which Mm -hmm. i'm sure that was just a it's like one of those things it's like bennett's getting tired in there jt Hop back in. 
We'll get uh, you warm back up. J- but like, JT comes out. You can hear the rust and creaks coming off of him as he throws the ball. It's just like you throw him in. You pray to God he doesn't get hurt again. And then mm-hmm. he goes back out on the sideline. I just, yeah, Jermaine Burton's probably the only guy I would trust remotely on George's offense. And that's not to say that they're bad. It's just to say that they're like mattingly inconsistent. Yeah, especially when it comes to target distribution, definitely. I mean, you can always throw Brock Bowers out there as well. Uh, You know, one of the better tight ends this year for fantasy. Which, I mean, last week, uh, Bowers had... So Bowers caught two passes for 39 yards. That's like five points. That's not bad. Like, you can definitely get worse from a tight end. And, like, he was very, very close to taking it to the house. He got knocked out about four four yards uh, short. Um, Also, on that play, by the way, if you haven't watched that play, dude stiff arms a guy through the earth to China. I don't know what I don't know what Missouri player that was, uh, but man, he's going to be feeling that stiff arm for years. Anyway, we've been we've been talking about this game long enough. Move on. Going back to the Big Ten here. This, if you really think about the AP poll, this is a ranked v ranked matchup because I believe Penn State is ranked. But we got Michigan, number six Michigan on the road at Penn State. This game's a pick'em. Uh, this is the noon game on ABC. Justin, what are your thoughts on this game, and who are you looking for in this game? I don't know why it's a pick them. Like, I, I, like, I'm picking them. I'm picking Michigan to win this game. Mm. Um, I don't – there's just not a lot of that Penn State has offered me this year that I've found especially great. Sean Clifford's super inconsistent, um, which he's had some injuries here and there, but it's like basically the only person you can trust on that team is uh, Jahan Dotson, who's just been – it was lights out all last year, has been absolutely lights out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but that team is just mattingly inconsistent. Now, for Michigan, you know, you're obviously going to roll out Blake Corum. Uh, Hassan Hankins isn't bad, too. I, w- I would say – this is where I'm going to uh, cut in here for a second. Blake Corum got injured in last week's game. And well, there you so, go. It's Hankins. I would say so. You're you're probably gonna want to roll out Haskins because Haskins, if Corum really is out, Haskins might be looking at a bell cow role here. Maybe Donovan Edwards comes in, kind of takes a load off of him a little bit. But even so, you're gonna see an increased amount of carries for Haskins this week. Which, with how potent Michigan's running back uh, game has been so far, that could be really. I know this this week is a week for a lot of people as a make or break in terms of getting into the playoffs. That could help you out so much. I mean, even if you wanted to be ballsy and roll out Cade McNamara from Michigan, don't know why you even own a Michigan quarterback for <laughs> fantasy purposes. But if you happen to have that one, even last week against, so Penn State played Maryland last week. They won 31 to 14, but Talia mm-hmm. still passed for 370 in a loss. They just mm-hmm. didn't score, is all that really comes down to. Penn State scored, they didn't. Uh, and that's why they end up losing. Typically, how that, that's how you lose is that you don't score points. But breaking uh, news, y'all. That's <laughs> just that's how it goes. Speaking as a speaking as a Clemson fan this year, that's how you lose. You just don't score. <laughs> you do not score points on offense, and that's all Maryland didn't do last week. They had the yards, mm. and so if you're really hurting that bad to where you need to throw Cade McNamara in the game, this is probably the game to do it. Mm. Yeah, and again, you mentioned already, Jahan Dotson really is kind of your guy there at, for Penn State. Um, if you just, like, he's going to be a stud that you start every single week. 
call it a gut feeling, but this is the kind of game that I can see Sean Clifford really getting up for and having a great day uh, through the air. Now, Penn State's running game has been a problem for them all year long, so it's going to force Sean Clifford to make throws this game. And really, the question really becomes how much do you trust him? I'm not sure that I trust him a ton, but again, just call it a gut feeling. I think he performs well in this game. Penn State has kind of become the forgotten stepchild of the Big Ten right now because everybody loved them at the beginning, but all of a sudden they drop a game to Illinois that was completely inexplicable, and then they lose again to Ohio State, and everybody's like, oh, they're not on Ohio State's level. But let's not forget, they played that game pretty well. Um, If it weren't for a fumble return for a touchdown, that game looks a lot closer all of a sudden uh, against Ohio State. That's only a 26-24 kind of ending score. Uh, so I think Penn State has the ability to get up for big games. And playing at home, I think, is going to help them. Call it a gut feeling. I'm taking Penn State to win here. So move on from here. We got one more kind of game of interest, then we'll get to the high over-under games. And I'm going to give the group of five some love here. Uh, here is a game that might decide a conference division right here over in the Mountain to West. We got Nevada at number 22 san diego state san diego state a two and a half point favorite here this is the 10 30 game on cbs sports network i think the wrong team is favored here i do not understand what the odds makers are seeing that tells me that san diego state is going to slow down nevada enough and for san diego to put up enough points to beat nevada in this game i just don't see it san diego state has, has a good defense but against kind of stronger offenses like Fresno State, stuff like that, they've shown to be able to give up some points in those games. And I just don't see San Diego State being able to have enough consistency on offense to really do anything. Uh, guys, I'm looking forward here, really just the entire Nevada offense. I'm looking at, obviously, Carson Shaw. Looking at guys like um, Cole Turner. Looking at guys like um, Romeo Dubs. I don't know. What do you think about this game, Justin? Uh, I can definitely see your argument for uh, the wrong team being favored in this game. Uh, it comes down to a matter of it, – it's like you said, it's a matter of your defense is really good, but can your offense produce enough to keep up with those guys? Because mm-hmm. even even in a bad game, Nevada's due for a good 20 to 30 points. Mm-hmm. And, you know, San Diego State's best games – like. The, I'd say the most comparable game that they've had to a team uh, like Nevada would be Fresno State. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played Fresno State uh, on the night, the day before Halloween. They lose that one 30 to 20. Um, you know, you kind of you kind of keep Jake Hayner within like a re, like 300 yards and a touchdown is pretty solid for Jake Hayner but they end up giving up a ton of rushing yards at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know that they have a quarterback that can keep up with Carson Strong. Uh, You're running out a former triple option guy as your quarterback. Uh, You've got Greg Bell, who's been banged up at times this year, that's Mm -hmm. leading that offense. Um, I I don't see – they must be favored just because they're at home. Uh, I have to assume that that's what it is. They're at home and they're ranked – uh, but Nevada's shown that they can they they won some games this year on the road that they shouldn't have won, uh, and so I could totally see this going in the Wolfpack's direction. 
Yeah, I, def- I, like, I already made my case, so I definitely agree with you. I think Nevada wins this game pretty handedly. I just don't see how San Diego State's able to keep up. Uh, and I believe this decides, uh, I forget it's the Mountain or the West Division, but one of those divisions is being decided by in this game because Fresno State has two L's uh, in terms of conference play because I think they lost to Hawaii and then they lost to Boise State this past week, leaving these two the only two in that division that have one loss. And so basically whoever wins this game takes control of that division. I would be shocked if San Diego State really pulls that off. I'm not going to lie. Um, so we'll move on. From there, we'll hit some of these high over-under games we'll talk about here. Uh, we'll really really hit on the guys that we want to start in each of these games. So we'll go ahead and start here with our first game here. This is the Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. game on ESPN. We got UNC at Pittsburgh over-under on this game, 74. Uh, Justin, start everyone? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, I, I think it's pretty easy. Both of these teams have the tendency to fold when they play solid offenses. And as we saw last week, North Carolina's defense isn't very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny Pickett, I, I joke with my dad. My dad's a big Dolphins fan from back in the day. He's not a Dolphins fan now, but he was big when Dan Marino was the guy. And mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks ago, Kenny Pickett passed Dan Marino and uh, I believe it was career touchdown passes at Pitt. And that was Joking with him, I uh, said, I'm like, so this means that Kenny Pickett is definitely better than Dan Marino, right? Like, this is, that means he's definitively better. And so uh, it was funny seeing him be like, yeah, that's what that means. <laughs> but uh, should be a fun game. Uh, Izzy Bonaconda, uh, run him out. Kenny Pickett, Jordan Addison, Josh Downs, undoubtedly is going to have a humongous game. Uh, Sam Howell should also have a huge game as well as Ty Chandler, who's really come on late in the year. Yeah, he's really become the running back I expected him to be earlier on this year in the Kings Classic draft. Uh, Xavier and I drafted him as one of our later running backs because we thought there was some value there. We were scared a little bit early on in the season that maybe he wouldn't perform, maybe somebody else might take over. I think it was DJ Jones that we got scared about there for a minute. But it looks like he's really, really come on here late in the year, so I definitely agree with you there. Uh, throw out some kind of lesser guys. Uh, Antoine Green, I've seen a lot of people start picking him up this week because yep. they saw his performance last week in the game for uh, against Wake Forest. So I think he's absolutely worth a pickup, especially in Dynasty Leagues. If he's available for some reason, pick him up right now because uh, I think he's absolutely going to be one of those go-to guys for that UNC offense next year. Uh, in addition to that, uh, Taysier Mack, wide receiver there at Pittsburgh. Uh, throw him out there. I want to recommend Lucas Kroll. He was one of my favorite tight end picks earlier this year, but golly, he cannot find the end zone to save his life right now, and he's just not being used like he was earlier this year. So I won't recommend him. Uh, anybody else you want to throw out there before we move on to our next game there, Justin? Uh, I think the only other person that we need to mention is uh, is it, it's Garrett Walston that plays tight end for North Carolina, I believe. Yes. Uh, he'd be the only other name that I would throw out into the mix as a guy who could potentially contribute. He seems to be, he doesn't always contribute, but this seems to be the type of game that he would. Yep. Fair enough. So we'll go ahead and move on here. Uh, man, this is a game that I would never watch in a million years, but you know, over under is high. So here it is. Arkansas state at UL Monroe, UL Monroe, a three point favorite here. Uh, this is the 5 p.m. ESPN Plus game. This over-under is 66 and a half. Ugh. 
God, there's nobody really, or there's there's guys here that I, I'll recommend, but it's like there's so many just boom or bust products in this game. Uh, Lane Hatcher probably going to be the guy consistently you'll want out of Arkansas State, and then every one of those wide receivers for Arkansas State at this point is just a major flyer. The Valence Hunt, uh, Jeff Foreman, Dahu Green, Corey Rucker. You never know who's going to get the ball every single week, but somebody's going to get it. They're going to score points somehow. And then you got UL Monroe on the other side. They're going up against one of the worst defenses in the country in Arkansas State. But most of y'all probably listened to this being like, UL Monroe, I haven't thought about a fantasy prospect uh, from them in, well, ever. And uh, so guys, I'd probably look at their uh, Chandler Rogers, uh, their quarterback slash running back. He'll probably get some work. Uh, Jared Sparks is a wide receiver I like there. Uh, Boogie Knight. Uh, just recommending him on the soul, uh, just solely <laughs> on his name, because uh, that's awesome. And if you get a recommendation saying Boogie Knight uh, scored you a touchdown, like that's just an extra flex for the week. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Justin? Uh, I tend to agree with you. Uh, this does seem like the type of game that would be one of Hatcher's better games, uh, where he throws, he potentially throws less interceptions uh, than he normally would. Um, this. It, it, it has been a bit inconsistent this year for Arkansas State, mainly because they've been playing. They started playing freaking musical chairs with quarterbacks again mm-hmm. early on. Just play one guy for one freaking season, please, exactly. so we can play him. And then uh, you had mentioned Chandler Rogers. Uh, I actually picked up – so I saw Chandler Rogers in his debut in person. It was the first game I ever saw at Coastal Carolina. Nice. Um and so, uh, like my, that's where my in-laws are from or that part of the state. I was like, Hey, they're finally playing at home while I'm down here. And so me and my brother-in-law went and saw him kill ULM. Nice. Um, so, uh, saw Chandler Rogers playing that game. He didn't do well that game, but he's done well in most other games after that. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting dynasty play mainly because Rhett Rodriguez is the offensive coordinator for ULM. Uh, another guy on this team is Andrew Henry the running back for ULM. Good call. Uh, he's been a very under-the-radar kind of playable guy. Um, last week, if you look at, you know, it was them against Texas State. Texas State ended up winning. Uh, Andrew Henry gets 23 carries, 82 yards and a score, and then catches another five passes for 25 yards. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the thing he does. He gets a whole lot. He gets a good bit of carries, a uh, decent amount of yards, and a decent amount of receptions. And That's just kind of what he does. Um, and this is the kind of this would be a game where he would really show out likely top 100 yards with a touchdown or two because Arkansas State's defense is very much not a very good thing when it's on a football field. <laughs> it's a good thing when it's at a restaurant, but not when it's on a football field. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll go ahead and move on here. Uh, typically, our criteria for over under games you'll see here at the top. Uh, over 65 points is usually what we go for. Spread doesn't really usually matter unless it's something ridiculous. Like the spread, like Alabama, New Mexico State, technically, technically um, meets the criteria. I think the over-under is on 67, but the spread's like 51. It's not worth talking about like at all. Um, But even still, there weren't a ton of games over 65 points this week unless they were in the MAC. And unfortunately, when we're recording this, uh, the MAC games are being played or have already been played just because of the scheduling and everything. 
uh, so we don't get to talk about those here. So I lowered the criteria down to where we can talk about games over 60 points, but the spread has to be less than a touchdown. I found a couple of those games to talk about here. So let's get started. Uh, first game we got here, Notre Dame, a five and a half point favorite at Virginia. This is the 7.30 ABC game over under on this game. Just out of reach, 64 and a half of our typical uh, over under. So Justin, I'll let you go first this time. Who are the people you're looking for here? Uh, UVA's looked incredible this year. Brendan Armstrong's been just as good a player as anybody in the nation. Um I'm kind of interested to see there's been some dynasty leagues where I've made trades and I've looked at backups. Cause I'm like, he's having such a good year. He might go pro mm -hmm. uh, just because he's playing so good. Uh, Dontavian Wicks is a guy that I freaking love mm -hmm. and wish that I would have, there was like a best ball league that I got him in. And I was like, Oh, there's a chance he might do something with Lavelle Davis injured. And then he's just gone. You know, he doesn't get a lot of receptions, but when he does get the ball, it's usually bananas. 30 yards upfield at minimum. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's just a, he's uh, him, Armstrong, Keaton Thompson, Jelani Woods. Basically, most of the Virginia offense is a good thing to roll out unless it's a running back. They don't have a lot of options at running backs. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, out, you know, on that side of the ball, that's what you got. You got a whole lot of good there. Uh, Virginia doesn't do a whole lot to stop the ball. Uh, I'd say roll out Jack Cohn. Uh, he's likely going to be the the main dude for most of the game. You're going to have Buckner come in occasionally and do something like you've seen for the past several weeks. I doubt that they make a switch over this week against Virginia. Just mm -hmm. doesn't seem like a likely thing to happen. But Kevin Austin and Michael Mayer are undoubtedly the guys that you would roll out there as well as Kyron Williams. The only thing I would say about Kyron Williams is that Chris Tyree is back this week. Okay. Uh, he came back last week. I think he's going to be more involved this week. So uh, that'd be something to look out for, but that hasn't seemed to have been an issue for either of those guys this year. Are you worried about Brennan Armstrong's injury? Because there's no beneficial word on whether or not he will play in this game or not. Does that affect uh, he, your view of Virginia players? Uh, if he doesn't play, that's a huge hit to that offense. Um, that'd be uh, – let's see. They rolled out Jay Wolfork last week at quarterback. Um, who He seems to be like a somewhat 50-50 passer mobile guy. So they mm -hmm. might would rely on his ability to run more than they would his ability to pass. So that would – like any time Armstrong isn't on the field is an issue. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, if they don't, if something comes out later in this week that definitively has him on the sideline, I would probably look for someone else to play in most other spots. Makes sense. I just want to make sure we pointed that out for our listeners. Make sure people realize that there is a question of whether or not he will play this weekend or not. Um, although the spread, I feel like, is an indicator that the news is good so far because I feel like if Armstrong wasn't playing, that spread would be a lot bigger than fifteen and a half. Yeah, I, th I think he's that pivotal to that Virginia offense. Um, we'll hit up our next game here. We got an AAC matchup here. UCF at SMU. SMU favored by a touchdown here. This is a noon game on ESPNU. Over under on this game, 60 and a half. Justin, who are you looking for in this game uh, to be fantasy relevant this week? Uh, well, you know, you kind of have, you know, if you go look at the UCF side of things, uh, Mikey Keene. 
uh, has looked, you know, he's had some moments where he's not looked great uh, since taking over, but he's definitely had some moments where he's looked pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week was a bit of, of a down week for him. Ryan O'Keefe has been a reception hog since uh, Mikey Keene has stepped up to the plate um, and they lost um, Jalen Robinson. Yes. I was, I got, I had like Jacory Roberson on my tongue. I'm like, that's Wake Forest. What is the other guy's name? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, they lose Jalen Robinson. Ryan O'Keefe has been an absolute dude for that team. Uh, so he is undoubtedly on radars this week as a guy that could step up as well as Isaiah Bowser. They seem to be getting him more and more involved, uh, since he's come back from his injury. That might've been uh, the best news we received from UCF this year was them settling on one freaking running back. Before the season, it was, you know, there was like a, a hundred different guys that they were, they could go with. Um, when uh, Thompson, Thompson, that was, yeah. Yeah, Bentavious Thompson. Yeah, left. when Bentavious Thompson finally, uh, for some reason, I was like, isn't that the, I'm like, isn't that the uh, Alabama guy? And I was like, oh no, that's Robinson. It is Thompson. Um, when Thompson finally declared, I was like, okay, this is, this means that Mark Anthony Richards won this job. Mm, nope. And then it like week one came out and Bowser took 32 carries and it was like, ha nope, nope. You thought wrong. And so uh, like you got Isaiah Bowser, Mikey Keene's due for a few touchdowns there as well. Uh, Ryan O'Keefe is the for sure guy over there. Uh, SMU had like a really, really strange week against Memphis. Memphis has not beaten anybody this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've just had like such a, strange odd year to where they beat Mississippi dudes, state they they like they're really good when they should shouldn't be and then they're really bad when they should be good like you mm-hmm. uh you beat mississippi state you lose the temple those two things shouldn't those th- that doesn't compute in my mind how <laughs> that works compute. Uh, so, you know, they come out last week, they beat SMU, um, Hennigan puts almost 400 yards of offense on him just on his own. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that should say something about Mikey Keene's chances this week against SMU. Tanner Mordecai's, uh, really known. Hopefully he does better running the ball this week than he did last week. Uh, minus 18 yards for him Mm -hmm. against Memphis last week. Um, Still a lot of inconsistency at running back for SMU right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so try to stay away from there. Uh, as well as they've had a lot of weird things at receiver this year too. Uh, but Grant Calcaterra has been really faithful to me. Uh, I don't know who else has him, but he's been really faithful to me on producing. And so uh, that's a guy I'm definitely playing this week as well. Yeah, I think you know pretty much everybody there. Uh, again, obviously on SMU, and Mordecai. Any of the three receivers, Reggie Roberson, Danny Gray, Rushy Rice, uh, they're all decent floor, uh, high ceiling guys. You never, you don't know which one's going to break off every week, but you know each of them are going to get work every week, so you don't have to really worry about them busting on you completely. So I think they're absolutely take a wor- worth a look there. And again, Bentley kind of coming back, still being slow played there. Uh, Trey Sagers is definitely just another guy to wor- worth a look there. Because, uh, again, if they're riding him and getting him that volume, regardless, I think he's absolutely worth a look there. 
Uh, you got anything else you want to mention on this game before we move on? No, I don't think I have anything else to throw in. Sounds good. I, I just saw, I saw you like looking at something. It looked like you were like looking up a stat or something. No, I was I was checking on something, but no, ah, I don't have anything else to throw in. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, we'll hit up our last game here. Uh, we got an ACC matchup here. We got Miami. What did I just say? Did I say Miami? <laughs> Miami. Miami. God, it's like I'm from the Bronx. Miami, a two and a half point favorite on the road at Florida State. This is a three thirty game at ESPN. This is over under of sixty and a half. I got a. Lot, I see a lot of people questioning this line this week. Um, of Miami only being favored by two and a half, three points at Florida State, and man, I don't get. I don't get why people are confused. Florida State's had Miami's number regardless of how they bad they've been recently. It has really just been a conundrum of why Miami just can't take business at Florida State. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. Who am I looking for in this game? Well, one of my favorite stories of the year so far, Tyler Van Dyke and Charleston Rambo at Miami. What a duo those two have become, and I love it. Charleston Rambo, as I mentioned in the Gemstones um, waiver wire pickup article with John Lobb this week, I was calling for the emergence of Charleston Rambo in this Miami offense basically from day one since he transferred there. I said that I love the fit, and everything I was hearing out of camp was telling me that he was building a repertoire with every one of those quarterbacks, that no matter who was going to be out there, he was going to be getting targets, getting work. And King's um, King's inconsistency in the passing game limited Rambo. But man, once Van Dyke got in there and was a more consistent passer, Rambo's been going off every single week. Out of the last seven games, six of them he's had over 100 yards. And five of them he's been the leading receiver for Miami. Love Charleston Rambo. I'm going to keep talking about him there. Um, and then on the running back side of things, Jalen Knighton. All it took was every friggin' Miami running back to get injured, but they finally settled on one guy, and man, he has taken off for them this year. Cody Brown's been looking good as well, but man, Knighton's been getting work on the ground and receiving work. Love playing him this week. Uh, Justin, you got any more guys you want to play out here? Uh, you know, as far as, you know, you kind of hit the guys on the Miami side of things. Uh, FSU is looking to get Jordan Travis back this week. He had the flu. And uh, was out last week. I don't know that Mackenzie Milton really inspired anybody to think that Travis wouldn't be the guy mm-hmm. coming back unless he's just still sideline sick. Um, Jay Sean Corbin has been an incredible playmaker for them all year, whether it be in one aspect of the game or the other. Uh, he, you know, even against Clemson, even though he didn't have like a ton of rushing yards, he still caught a touchdown pass. That dude's just an explosive playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the only two dudes that I think I would throw in to anything else. I also love Van Dyke, I, I, which is it pains me to my core because I have Jake Garcia in several dynasty leagues, and I don't know that he's going to be able to oh, beat that I, dude. I, in, in our dynasty league, the one that we're both in um... – I had Jake Garcia as well. I had Derek King and Jake Garcia. I'm like, all right, lock down that Miami quarterback battle or quarterback position for the next couple of years. And then Van Dyke comes along and I'm like, uh oh, I need to pick him up now. And I did. I'm really glad nobody fought me for him. So I got that Miami quarterback room locked down for a while. Um, yeah. I have one more name I want to throw out here for Florida State. 
this is based on nothing in terms of their volume and everything this year so far. Clearly, Florida State's passing attack has not led to a consistent wide receiver for them. But if you are just looking for like a random, maybe Grand Slam guy, I'll throw out Malik McLean. Uh, he's a freshman wide receiver there at Florida State. I love him to death. I'm waiting for him to have his true breakout game for them. Uh, but any other names you want to throw out here, Justin? I don't think so. I like the McLean call. Uh, he's got a lot of potential. They seem to like him randomly. He just hasn't had that. He <laughs> they just seem hasn't to like him randomly game. is like the fantasy phrase of the year. <laughs> I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of dudes that fit that mold. But uh, McLean is a guy that we'll probably see a lot of next season mm-hmm. uh, when hopefully, hopefully Florida State's line is better. Uh, they still don't have a very good O-line. And so that's probably why you're seeing a lot of Travis and less of Milton is because Travis is much more built for a team with a bad O-line than Milton is. Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. So those are our over-under games of the week. We talked about a lot of different players there. We talked a lot about different games. Justin, I want to thank you so much for coming on at last minute. Again, things just kind of got a little wonky with me having a migraine there for two days. Uh, Xavier... Because of that, was not able to meet at this time in order to do this. So again, Justin, appreciate you coming on for this. Uh, you've been wonderful. I bet everybody's been loving the insight from you. Um, you want to remind everybody just where they can find you, what you've been working on? Uh, thanks for having me, Jared. I am at cffinsiders.com and at insiderCFF on Twitter. Yeah, again, guys, follow him. He has great jokes like the uh, S... Uh, no... The, the Sam, Sam H. The Sam H. Playing for a North Carolina school. He's got some fun stuff for you guys, uh, and he's always good for just discussing conversation. Uh, tweet at him if you have a question for CFF. He's always good for that kind of stuff. Uh, on our side of things, uh, appreciate y'all tuning into another episode of the Chasing the Natty podcast. Remember, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure before you go hit that subscribe button right down there. Hit that notification bell. All that good jazz. Uh, leave a little comment down below. Whether or not you're just saying hi, whether or not you're telling me, Jared, why are you wearing a maroon shirt with a blue undershirt? Um, <laughs> don't question my fashion choices, all right? I get enough of that from my girlfriend. Uh, whether or not you just leave stuff like that, or if you have a question regarding your lineup this week, we love hearing stuff like that from you guys. We love answering questions. Speaking of questions, you can always find us on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared. My co-host, who's not here tonight, but he is at CFF underscore Xavier. We love getting questions from you guys. Wonderful stuff there. In addition to that, as always, if you're listening to on podcasts, make sure you're following us there. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really anywhere you can find your spot, uh, anywhere you can find your podcasts. Uh, and again, on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave those five-star reviews for us. We love hearing those from you guys. Again, got a great week. College football starting to wind down. Got big playoff games for a lot of you guys this week in those eight teamers or we're in those leagues where eight teams go to the playoffs. Some of y'all are playing for your playoff lives this week because you got to win that one more game to solidify your spot. Crazy week for y'all heading into playoffs. We got a lot of good stuff coming up. Even still, again, appreciate y'all tuning in, and we will see you guys next time.